I want to talk with you about a topic I titled Becoming a Global Citizen. The month of May for us, we have used the phrase, this is Missions Month, bringing an emphasis to missions both locally and globally. And what we learn, in fact, join me in Matthew 28, because that's going to be the foundation of my teaching. What we learn from Scripture is that we have a missionary God. For God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his son, Jesus, was a missionary, sent to the world to communicate to us in our language, in our cultural context, the message of God's love. So inside of us, as Christ followers, is the DNA of missions. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. These three verses, Matthew 28, verse 18, 19, and 20, packaged together, they have been referred to as the Great Commission. Would you say that with me, please? The Great Commission. The reason why it's referred to as such is because Jesus, he had died, been buried, and resurrected. In his post-resurrected state, before he ascended to heaven to be with God the Father, he gave this commission, this charge to his disciples. That's why it's referred to as the Great Commission. And so he tells us, go and make disciples of all nations. Every Christ follower is called to do missions. This is not optional. This is not some have it, some don't. And this missions could be something short-term, long-term. It could be across the street or across the world. But we're called to become global citizens. See, a global citizen is someone who adopts a perspective of life that's global. It's not just about the local city where I live, where I go to school, where I work. It's about God has a plan and a dream for the world, and he includes me in it. See, a global citizen is someone who feels more at home in the broader world than they do in their local city. A global citizen is someone who's curious about cultures and ethnic groups and nations and languages and international issues. You're curious about it. That's a global citizen. I remember I was in Brisbane, Australia, a missions trip where I was teaching at a conference. And when we came out of the conference site, middle of the day, we're driving back to the hotel. I'm looking at these individuals on the streets, and they had blood stains on their faces and axes in their hands, and they're walking like zombies in the street. And I'm looking, and then there's some driving in their cars dressed like zombies. I'm saying, I'm thinking, look at these crazy Australians. What are they, what are they doing? 
And, and then when I got to the hotel, I turned on the news and, and it says today is, is Global Zombie Day. And, and we want to congratulate New Jersey because they've won the contest. They have most zombies in a certain square mile. I said, I thought Australians are crazy. We're crazy. We had the most zombies. I had no idea. But I want you to see global citizen as someone who says, the world is in my heart. Rub your hands together like this. All of what I just said is just an appetizer. Now let's get into the meal. Let's get into the meal. Jesus shared a very powerful and pivotal message. Questions emerged from the text. First question is, did you hear what Jesus said? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. That means he can speak both in the present and in the world that is to come. He has authority. And with that authority, he then just barks out this charge. Go and make disciples in every nation. In fact, when I look again at verse 19 of Matthew 28, this time from the God's Word translation, it says, So... Wherever you go, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I've commanded you. And remember that I'm always with you until the end of time. Now I want you to try to capture the emotion of the text. Jesus just having been resurrected from the dead. His heart's heavy because he knows that he's not going to be physically with his disciples any longer. So whatever he says to them, it's going to help them understand purpose, passion, priorities. It's almost as if when we as parents drop off our children at college and they're going to be living on campus. Now they're on their own. We're not there with them any longer physically to make all the decisions, what they're going to eat and who they're going to hang out with. You know, if whatever we've done before, it all comes to a head right then. I remember when my daughters went off to college and then I'd give them the Ireland chat. You say, what's the Ireland chat? Let me tell you. I have two daughters, girls and three and a half years apart. So each one, Danielle, Jessica. Danielle's the oldest, Jessica's the youngest. I would say to Danielle, Danielle, remember why you're here. You're here to get an education. You're here to be able to fulfill your academic goals. Don't get distracted. Don't hang out with crowds that's going to pull you away from your goal or your faith. Stay strong. That's, this, in essence, the Ireland chat. And so you may have to have that chat with your children when they get to that age, or if they've already passed that age, I'm sure you had a chat. Very similar, but it had the same you know, essence to it. Jesus was having a chat with his disciples. And the chat, we need to ask ourselves, did you hear what he said? See, to ensure that his disciples didn't get distracted, he's, he's telling them, look, don't get distracted by needs, don't get distracted by noise, don't get distracted by nuisance, don't get distracted by nonsense, stay focused. I'm giving you this great commission. In other words, I'm calling you, go and make disciples 
everywhere and anywhere you go. You have a mission. Now, for us to understand the meaning of the word mission, I decided to, let me look at what a scholar and a missionary said. J. Raymond Talman, he defines missions this way. Missions is the activity of the people of God crossing any and all cultural boundaries to present and solicit response to the message of the gospel. So it's not going, the, the mission is not about going. Anybody can go to Aruba. The mission is not about going. Anybody can go to Peru. The mission is about sharing the message of Christ's love and then soliciting a response. I remember one year I was going to Kenya and I had known this pastor in Columbus, Ohio who says, I don't go anywhere. When you travel, can you, can you invite me to one of these places? I want to see what God's doing on the other side of the planet. So I gave him months of notice. I said, I'm going to Kenya, the land of Akuna Matata. No worries. Swahili, no worries. So you thought it was from Lion King. No, it's actually Swahili language. And so I said, come on. He said, sure, I'll go. So he's with me in Kenya. Now I'm there as a leadership conference teaching, pouring into thousands of people. And I've been there a bunch of times. So when there's no teaching time, I'm just resting up and catching my breath at the hotel. I worked it out for him to get a tour of one of the, nat the, 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 the national game park where animals are in their natural habitat. So you pay your 20 American bucks, you drive in, lions, zebras, giraffes, hippos, all there. And this is not like great adventure. If you get out your car, you're in a whole lot of trouble. You're a breakfast. And so as he and the host was driving through the, through the game park, they saw a park ranger. He was walking, and he had his shotgun on his shoulder, and he's walking. And so he flagged them down. He said, can you guys give me a lift to the office? I said, sure, jump in. Park ranger jumps in. My friend now, he strikes up a conversation. How long have you been a park ranger? And goes into some of those kinds of things. And then he gets, he segues now because he saw himself as a missionary on a mission. He said, how are you doing with your relationship with God? The park ranger hung his head. He said, not too good. So my friend said, why not? He said, I killed a man a couple of years ago. He was poaching the rhinos and I killed him. God can never forgive me. I can never experience a changed life. I can never get into heaven. My friend helped to deconstruct his false thinking and to lay out for him the gospel message, present the gospel, and then he solicited a response. Do you think God can forgive you now based on what I just said? He said, yes. My friend then said, would you like to experience this new life that Jesus came and died for you to experience? The park ranger says yes. He led him into a relationship with Jesus right there in the game park. I want you to see that it is amazing. Just ordinary conversation can have 
extraordinary implications. What we see, however, though, is that the gospel message, it's not about some religious choice. Say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and then you walk away. No, it's not about saying Jesus died for my sins, and then that's about it. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message, neither is it to say, I just want to get to heaven and be happy. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message is about accepting the lordship of Jesus in your life. So his will, his interests, his desires, his plans, you submit to them wholeheartedly and say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my CEO. And that's the gospel message. The gospel message, it pardons and transforms the sinner. And so when Jesus gets a hold of a person, when he transforms you, not only is your life transformed, your relationships are transformed. Your affections are transformed. Your purpose is transformed. Your mind is transformed. See, the gospel is a message of good news that's transformational. And I want you to know what Jesus is looking for are not experts. He's looking for ordinary people like you. Ordinary people like you. In fact, legend says this missionary lost at sea, boat capsized. He was able to, with a lot of loss of energy, come to the shore. And there was this village. The villagers pulled him out of the water. He's dehydrated. He's sick. And they nursed him back to health and to life. And while he was there, in fact, he stayed with that village for 20 years. He never once opened the scripture, never once sung a hymn, never once made any public prayer, never once declared anything about his faith. But every time someone was sick, he was sitting by their bedside. Every time someone was hungry, he brought meals to them. Every time someone was lonely, he stayed there. And every time someone was, was abused and taken advantage of, he sided with the, with the victim and helped to bring justice. And so he did all that for 20 years. Then this boat comes. Two missionaries jump out of the boat. And they started to tell the villagers about Jesus. And the villagers said, we, we know Jesus. He's been with us for 20 years. We know Jesus. He lives in that hut down the, you know, down the corner. He said, and they said to the, the villagers said to the two missionaries, come on, we'll, show you to, we'll introduce you to Jesus. Come on. They brought him to the hut. Come to find out, that was their missionary friend that they thought had died. See, missions... Is about you understanding you are the individual that must convey the message through words, through lifestyle, through actions, through behavior, so that people could understand. So I ask the question, did you hear? And I ask this follow-up question, do you understand? Do you understand Jesus is speaking to you? Sometimes we, we don't think that people are speaking to us. Not this, missionary, me be a missionary. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney. Uh, I work in IT. I'm a nurse. Uh, I work in a deli down the corner. I make sandwiches. Me, a missionary? Yes, you. You can be a missionary. You don't have to go to, you know, to Rwanda. You can be right there in Rockaway Mall. But you must see yourself as a missionary on a mission from God. And not just someone who make sandwiches or you know is involved in legal matters as an attorney in fact when i bring you to mark 16 
I want you to ask yourself, do I really understand what Jesus is saying? Mark 16, verse 15, same topic of the Great Commission, Mark's version, he says it this way. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who does not believe will be punished. So, so in other words, Jesus is saying, look, I'm speaking to everybody. He's speaking to you. Sometimes we exempt ourselves from the conversation. We, we come up with rationalization. This pastor was challenging his congregation about the brevity of life and how they must use their lives wisely. He says, and then he said in this one statement, he says, all of you members are going to die one day. So you lose, use your life wisely. And one guy in the back started laughing. <laughs> the pastor stopped and said, what are you laughing about? He said, I'm not a member, I'm not a member. <laughs> See, we, we come up with ways to invalidate ourselves and say, oh, no, that's not me. He's not speaking to me. Oh, certainly is. I remember years ago, I was rushing out of town. And I needed a haircut. I looked you know, like Don King. I mean, my hair was standing right up. And so I went to this neighborhood barbershop. I'd never been there before. And I'm sitting there. There's a lot of guys waiting to get their hair cut. I'm sitting there. And then the guy was cutting hair. There were two barbers. The one that got freed up first, I didn't notice before, he was cross-eyed. Now, I'm not making fun of his, his, his challenge, but I'm sitting here. And he, he says, you're next. And he pointed over there. So I didn't move. I figured he's talking over there. So I didn't move. He said, you're next. And he kept pointing over there. You're, and he's pointing, and he, he thought he's pointing at me. You're next. And so after two or three times of him saying that, I said, me? He said, yeah, you're blind. You're next. So I, I, left, I left the barbershop, didn't get my hair cut. I said, I'm going to skip this one because I don't know what's going to happen. My point is that many times we don't realize that Jesus is speaking to you. You're next. You're next. You're a missionary. Don't think he's speaking to someone else. In fact, there are different types of missionaries. And you know the type of missionary you are based on your shape. Shape is an acronym. S-H-A-P-E. You know the type of missionary you are based on your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. You have a shape. You don't have to be something different than you are. Jesus knows how he made you to be. So some types of missionaries, they deal with church planting and leadership development. That's my category. That's where I fit in. I don't just pick one. I discover who I am. And that's what I do. So when I was in Dubai just a couple of months ago, what was my role? My role was to teach 100 millennials from 43 countries on leadership. Guys from Poland, guys from Brazil, guys from Togo, people from different parts, Australia. That was my role. Now, you don't have to say, well, I can't do that. Well, you don't have to do that. Some missionaries are involved in community development. Micro-lending. Agricultural projects. Teaching people a trade. If that's your area of focus, hey, let's use it. Others are involved in compassion and social justice. Addressing human trafficking, marriage and family, medical relief, or the humanitarian works. That's a method of missions. Others are involved in marketplace and business. 
You're good when it comes to money. You're good when it comes to business acumen. And so you can help people with vocational training. You can help individuals between, in terms of business and connecting spiritually with individuals using business. It is amazing what you can do. We have some business people in our church, and when we're involved in missions in Haiti, we sent down some business people. They weren't involved in humanitarian efforts. They helped people set up their books and, and help the entrepreneurs to align their business so that it can maximize their income and their ability to influence Haiti. And so that's business. What, is, what are your gifts? Don't exempt yourself. And then there's a category I call other missionary opportunities because there's so many. Some use sports. Some use you know, chess club. You might be great at chess. Or you may be lousy at chess. Go to a different country and say, everybody can beat me at chess because I stink. It can be used as a basis for methods that's going to be impactful. In other words, you don't have to be something that you're not. I have a friend of mine who was born in China, came to the States some 30, 40 years ago, and he's involved in missions in all these countries of the world. I said, what, what, did you do? what do you do? He'll go to places like Brazil. He'll go to places like Norway and 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 influence people. I said, what, what's your method? He said, I found out that everybody likes Chinese food. So when I go to Brazil or Norway, I find a Chinese restaurant that's very good, and I send out flyers to people in the community and saying, on this particular day or days, free Chinese food. He said, I pay for the whole thing. And people show up to get Chinese food. And when they're there, sitting down in the restaurant, he creates a moment where he can share his story as to who's Christ to him. It is amazing. And people come to Christ and he plants churches in these places. Now, that may not be your style. And you may say, well, I'm not the platform person. You don't have to be. You just have to have a line. You just have to have a plan. You just have to have a passion. And I remember when I was going to South Africa, I was in Nigeria, but Nigeria did not allow anyone to fly to South Africa directly because of South Africa's apartheid stance, and though apartheid had just recently been lifted, so I had to fly to Egypt. So I'm flying in Egypt, and I had a layover. I'm there for two days. And I learned from guys who were more seasoned than I was that when you go to a primarily Muslim country, make sure you're not putting down on any visa forms or any paperwork that you are a preacher. Don't use that language. Don't put down clergy. Don't put down minister. Put down teacher. Now, that's not lying. That's just wisdom. <laughs> so when I got to Egypt, I got to Cairo, <laughs> I put out the form, teacher. And then so my bag comes around on the carousel, and I go to grab my bag, and then here comes this, you know, this bellhop with his cart, and he says, hey, do you need some help? I said, no, 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 thank you. He said, it's not that expensive. Come on, let me, you know, give me some work. I said, okay, go ahead, take my bag. So he puts my bag on his cart. We're pulling it, we're driving it, or he's pushing it away towards a taxi. And then he says to me, he says, what do you do for a living? So I remember it. I said, I'm a teacher pushes it another few feet, and he says, what do you teach? <laughs> and so I said, I teach people how to manage their lives. And then he stopped. He said, now my life is falling apart. He said, can you teach me how to manage my life? He said, but don't charge me. I don't have any money. Don't charge me. 
I said, I said, sure, let me give you a quick lesson. I said, what I've discovered when I teach people, all kinds of people, all over the globe, about life management, you need a center point that can anchor your life and how you see life, how you do relationships, it just anchors you. Because that anchor has to be stronger than just earthy things. I said, yeah, that makes sense. I said, what I've found is that the best anchor point is Jesus. Because the way he looked at life, the way he dealt with people was always righteous, always positive, always uplifting, always good, and it had an eternal perspective to it. And he listened. He said, I've never heard that before. Now, I may have been the first person that ever told this man the gospel packaged in a way that he can understand. Now, he didn't accept Christ as Savior, but I, I, I planted a seed. Someone else has to follow up. Maybe it's going to be you. I want you to see, though, that you have to understand what it means to be a missionary and what it means to be, whether go across the street or go across the world. What God's call us to do is to be missional in our heart and our lifestyle. I love what the great missionary to Africa, David Livingston, said. If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? See, a lot of times we, we have all these options. Oh, we have all these options. This youth group, they left their comfortable church and they went on a mission. They wanted to deal with the poor. So they didn't have funds to go overseas, so they went to the Appalachia area in Kentucky. And there they were working to help restore a woman's house and her yard. When they got there, the front yard is junked up with old, you know, broken down cars, old, excuse me, old sofas and garbage strewn all over the lawn. And let me read what they said. We hated it, and we began to make fun of the way those people lived, and we began to act like a group who would rather be doing something else. We picked on each other. We argued. We made sarcastic jabs every chance we got. In other words, we acted like, just like the older people in our church when they lost sight of who they were in Christ. Eventually, the woman who owned the house we were working on came out with tears streaming down her face. She sat us down in the grass in front of the house and she stood there shaking her stubby finger at us and speaking through the few teeth she had left. I mean to tell you, she laid into us like I've never seen before or since. She railed at us. What's wrong with you kids? Don't you know? Don't you know I've been praying for a long time for someone to show up and help me? Don't you know how badly my kids need to have bedrooms and a bathroom that works? I've been praying for a long time. Don't you know you're the answer to my prayers? Why don't you treat each other like the answer to prayer? Something broke in their hearts, they said. And from that moment on, they changed their attitude and their perspective to be true missionaries to serve the needs of the underserved and the marginalized by modeling Christ-likeness. I want you to see that when Jesus gets a hold of us, He wants us to be bread for the nations. He wants to send you with the gifts you have 
to be able to make a difference in the lives of people. We're all different, all kinds of gifts. And he charged us, go and make disciples of every nation. My final question to you is this from the text. Will you obey? Will you obey the clear commands Jesus has given to you? In fact, when I read Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19 again, this time from the message version of the Bible, it says, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life. See, Jesus was speaking to his followers. Don't become a marginalized Christian by the deception of flimsy excuses. Flimsy excuses that make you disobey this great commission. Some of us, we have this excuse. I can't go. I said, why not? And you say, I'm not well educated. The United Nations... They tell us that the average number of years of schooling for someone across the globe who's 15 years of age and older is, bet is between 7 and 8 years of schooling. In fact, 7.8. It falls between the 7th grade and 8th grade. I dare say that all of the adults in this room, 99.9999% or even higher, 100%, have more than the 8th grade worth of education. In other words, you're smarter than the average person on the planet academically. Many of you in here, you have your PhD, EDD, PsyD, you have your MDiv, MDis, MA, you have all kinds of initials behind your name. And you're saying, well, I can't go because I'm uneducated. Who told you that? You don't even realize how sharp you are. Some excuses might be my family obligations. Take your kids with you. You take them with you on vacation. Let's go vacation to, you know, and you say, let's go vacation to Hawaii or to Aruba. Let's go vacation to Puerto Rico. Go a couple more yards. Go to the interior. Get out of the Marriott. Go see what's around there. See how you can be a missionary for, by God. Still get R&R, but you'll also be able to see how God can use you. You'll be amazed. Another excuse. I've never left the country. Come on. Do you realize how myopic that is? In fact, let me ask a show of hands. How many have passports that's validated, ready right now? Passports, ready. Okay, excellent, 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 excellent. How many are on the other side of that question? You want to have your passport ready. It's, it, it's expired. Come on, raise that hand. I want to just see. See, that means that you either are lying <laughs> or <laughs> well, whatever. It's not about embarrassment. I remember years ago, one of the guys in the church, he couldn't see that his mindset was so insular and so... He'd never been out of the country. And I said, I'm going to Germany. I have this speaking engagement in Germany. I want you to come with me. We're going to be missionaries to Germany. He was so happy. I said, go get your passport. He went and got his passport. He was like a kid in a candy store. I mean, he's on the airplane. He's looking around. He's flying over the Atlantic for hours. We get to Germany. 
And as we're there, we're settling in, and one of the hosts asks him, where are you from? He says, Hackensack. <laughs> so the guy looked at him like he had two heads. Hackensack. I mean, he's in Germany. <laughs> so he tried to clear it up. He says, yo, it's right next to the George Washington Bridge. The guy looked at him now like he had four heads. Nobody ever heard of Hackensack. Nobody ever heard of George Washington Bridge. I said to him, look, you're on the other side of the planet, the other side of the pond. Nobody's ever heard of New Jersey. So when I got him private, I tried to school him. Come on, man. I want you to see how do you answer someone's questions in a global context. John R. W. Stott, the great British preacher, says, we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. So I want you to see that. Don't see yourself as just, oh, I'm just from New Jersey, or I'm from Rockaway, or I'm from America. No, you're global. You may say, well, I haven't been anywhere. But get ready to go somewhere. But you got to go somewhere with willingness to do something. What are you going to do when you get there? Don't just stay in a hotel and, and order room service. You got to be able to have a message, talk with people. Wherever you go, connect with them. We had a medical missions trip to Guatemala, and we had about 50 physicians from our church sign up to donate their time and their services, and we flew down to Guatemala, and they treated some 1,800 people over the span of 10 days. Even took gun, gun, you know, uh, bullets from gunshots out of people because they served the poorest of the poor. But I went along. I, I'm not a physician, but my gifts are in the area of leadership development and training. So one of my gifts, and so I prepared with our team way in advance, let's have a leadership seminar simultaneous to the medical clinic service. And so we invited people that were worked in government and business and religious sector, family sector, educational sector, you know, sports and entertainment industry. And so we invited all kinds of people. Several hundred people showed up. And so over the course of three days, I taught on leadership. Not Jesus in leadership, just leadership. And so... I didn't want to have a bait and switch. Friday afternoon, seminar ends at 3 p.m. I said to everyone there, I'm speaking through an interpreter now. I said, the seminar is over, but I'm going to stick around for 15 minutes. And if you'd like to stick around, I'm going to tell my story as to why I do what I do and how I'm here. Nobody moved. For the next 15 minutes, I told them my journey of how I came to faith in Christ from a lifestyle of atheism and being this, you know, this, this difficult atheist and how Jesus changed me. And if you're searching for meaning in life, he offers you the same change. I led about 60 people to Christ that Friday afternoon. All because I used my gifts. I want you to see, you have gifts. Now, you may not have platform ministry, but whatever your gifts are, use them to the glory of God. Put away excuses. Excuses. I don't have the money. Take some of your coffee money and use it. In fact, Gallup poll tells us that the average 2018 household income globally is $10,298. Across the globe, every country, average it up. $10,298 each year is the global household income. When you look at the low to the highest, the lowest is Burundi, $280 a year. Family income, 
or should say per capita income, 280 bucks. Highest, Norway, you know, at $82,230 as per capita income, Norway. Where's America? $56,180. We're up there towards the end. So when you say, I don't have money, you got more than $280. You're doing better than the poorest country in the world. You are, you don't even see how rich you are. You walk around like you're poor. You're not poor. You're rich when you compare yourself globally. When you look at even the economy, you're rich. I was in Zambia, Lusaka, Zambia, the capital of, of, of uh, Lusaka is the capital of Zambia, Zambia, South Central African country. And I'm there on missions. I took about six or seven people with me out to lunch. So I'm going to be the big man. I'm going to pay for lunch. When the bill came, it said $1.3 million. I said, what? I mean, they're going to, I'm going to have to be a slave here for a couple of years to pay this off. $1.3 million. And then it dawned on me the conversion from Zambian quashas to American dollars. So I went through the conversion, 144 bucks. I said, okay, cool. <laughs> See, the idea is that you don't know how wealthy you are on a global level. So you got to be able to put away some monies. Even if your first mission trip is two years from now, put some money away. The danger in not allowing God to use you both locally and globally is that you settle down and become this nominal, nominal believer in Jesus. Let me tell you the story of Davinia James Stewart. A young lady who's changing the world one penny at a time. First in her family to finish high school. First in her family to finish college at age 25. And after finishing college, Davinia decides she wants to become a woman of change as a global citizen. So in 2013, she starts to solicit friends and community on social, using her social media and social platform. She raises 1.5 million pennies equivalent to $15,000, for what purpose? For the education of girls in underdeveloped countries of the world and where girls are rejected from being schooled. So far, she's been able to help 300 girls get an education in Afghanistan. And when you ask Davinia about what made her do what she does for pennies for girls, she says, quote, I don't believe a penny is just a penny. And I don't believe a girl is just a girl. Everything that I do comes from my life story. Being a girl from a developing country, she's from Jamaica, and being given the opportunity to gain an education. I want you to see what she does. We don't even bend down to pick up pennies. This girl, when she got married, she told those that were coming, instead of giving me and my husband gifts, donate pennies. And so when you say, I can't do anything, come on now. Stop dis you know, disqualifying yourself by flimsy excuses. Don't rob yourself from this immense opportunity to be a global citizen, to be a transforming agent in the hand of a loving God. God's not looking for great people. He's looking for obedient people. He's not looking for educated people. He's looking for obedient people. He's not looking for wealthy people. He's looking for obedient people. He's not looking for famous people. He's looking for obedient people. Be an answer to the cry of Jesus that says, go and make disciples of, of, of every nation. I end with one of my fa favorite historical preachers, Charles Spurgeon. 
Spurgeon says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. God, help us that we not become imposters.